Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a filing cabinet, and I love films. As Thomas Jefferson once said, I never considered a difference of opinion in politics, in religion, in philosophy, as cause for withdrawing from a friend. But if you don't like Labyrinth, you can get fucked. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and Asim Chowdhury, but this week, my special guest is podcaster, comedian, actor and gunner blogger, James McNicholas. Only a few tickets left for tonight's live episode at the Marlowe Comedy Festival. Uh, that is Thursday, 25th of July, depending when you're listening to this. And it is with the brilliant May Martin. A couple of tickets left. Make sure you get them on the website. You'll love it. And then I'll be doing a live show at the BFI on August the 15th. Now, fuck it. I'm going to say who it is. Let's hope it all works out. My dream guest at the BFI on August the 15th is the amazing Roisin Connery. So come along, get some tickets for that. If you do enjoy the podcast and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions for most episodes. You'll get videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week, there's about 25 minutes of extra stuff with James, and it's deep stuff. (laughs) You don't want to miss it. And best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get loads of extra good stuff, you don't have to hear me talking about becoming a fucking Patreon member. You get the whole episode unencumbered by ads and all this stuff. Just give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Sorry for the swearing. So here we go. James McNicholas is a brilliant sketch comedian who is married to former guest Camille Uchan, who you will remember as one of the great death episodes of this podcast. I'm a huge fan of James's. I was very grateful he came and did it and I was very grateful that he was so open. I think you will love it. This one is deep. And it is also very funny. He also had tweeted before about being annoyed by some guests not answering the troubling boner question, which meant he had to be truthful in this one. What I'm saying is, it's a really good one. He's doing his new stand-up show, The Boxer, at the Pleasance Courtyard at 4.15 every day at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, so make sure you go and see him there. Anyway, that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 54 of Films to be Buried With.
Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by a fucking legend. <laughs> He's an actor. He's a writer. He's a sketch comedian. He's a beast. He's a stand-up. He is also a huge podcaster in his own right. Please welcome to the show, James Beast McNicholas. You never call me James, so that's quite unusual. I know it's weird, isn't it? Just call me Beast. Yeah, I don't like. I don't actually like your name. It's the first time I've said it out loud, and it made me feel sick. <laughs> Beast sounds like a cool nickname. Yeah, I feel like I should have tried to populate that. But there were other beasts. That's the problem. I was in a, I'm in a sketch group called Beasts. He's in a sketch group called Beasts. If you've never seen them, there's three of them. Yeah. But that's why you're Beast. Because you're one of the beasts. What are they called? What do you call them? Uh, <laughs> it all makes sense. You call one and the other one that. Yeah. And then it's all fine. Yeah. Beast, an absolute pleasure for you to come over. Thank you for coming. So excited to be here. I've been a fan of yours as, as a human uh, for some time now. Mm. Are we allowed to reveal your marital status? Yeah, I don't think I'll be too disappointed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are married to one of the best guests of the show. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, Camille Luchan. Camille Luchan. And uh, <laughs> you're married to her. Congratulations. I, know. I was very proud. She did very well on the podcast. She did excellent, didn't she? I think it was the, one of the best death episodes yeah, she loves death, yeah. Loves it, doesn't she? She's really into that. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. Yeah, she was on the grief cast the other day as well, oh, I'm chatting about it there. I mean, was... perfect, it was a match made in oh, heaven. I bet she was right She was in it. her element. <laughs> well, I say she loves it, she's terrified of it. Yeah. I'm absolutely petrified. Yes. Yeah, I don't think she'd mind me saying it's a daily topic in our lives. It yeah. comes up every day. It's nice, though, it's nice to have a thing. That's our thing, I guess, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We met at a funeral. Yeah. And from then on. We talk death. Yeah. It's nice thing. Some people have football, you two have death. Listen, horses for courses. I'm not, yeah. I mean, it, she, she was really good. She was really honest about it. And I, I was yeah. sort of surprised how honest she was, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some of her film choices I was less sure about. Right. Well, I seem to remember the Nutty Professor figuring pretty highly. Well, the biggest twist in hers was Titanic came completely out, of, <laughs> completely out of the blue. Uh, but anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about your wife. We're here to talk about you, Beast. And Please. you are you've been a sketch sketcho. You've yeah. been a sketch comedian. And this year at the Edinburgh Fringe, you're doing your first mm. solo show. Correct. Are you calling it a stand-up show? What are we calling it? Mm, it's so, it's partly a stand-up show. You know, on the Edinburgh Fringe website, you can tick, like, different boxes. Yeah, yeah. What boxes I think it's tick? got stand-up and storytelling uh, ticks, which storytelling is just stand-up with less jokes, I think. <laughs> uh, so I've hedged my bets a bit. Now, as someone who has been called in a review a storytelling comedian, yeah. I find that incredibly offensive. Because <laughs> <laughs> also, I always think when people say, like, oh, they're a storyteller, I go, what do you think a fucking joke is? A man walks into the bar... What happens in the mm. bar? Who's the man? What's his journey? It's all a fucking story. Well, there's it. I come out of sketch. The yeah. shortest stories. Yeah. Little plays. Really little plays. Tiny stories. With blackouts at the end. Horse walks into a pub. Tell me about this character. Exactly. What accents he got? <laughs> what <laughs> wigs he wearing? <laughs> so it's a storytelling stand-up show. Yeah. I'm just going to call it a stand-up show. All right, man. And it's about your 
granddad. It's about my granddad, who was a boxer. He was a world champion boxer. Won the world title in 1961. I mean, that's huge. It's mad, isn't it? Does that mean he was, like, as good as Mike Tyson? Well, yeah, he was a middleweight rather than a heavyweight. But he did... He went up to heavyweight later. Like a little Mike Tyson? Yeah, a little fiery Mike Tyson. He, He was really good. I mean, British champion, world champion... Did he, I don't know it really, boxing in the 60s. Was there Vegas and stuff? He was good at punching people is what yeah. you need to know. Yeah, he was, he was part of that sort of celebrity culture as well in the 60s. So, like, he, he knew everybody. And, and really? weirdly, he actually went on to be a film star after he retired. Film star. Come he was on. in some films after he retired. What was he in? Well, uh, like, as a sort of celebrity cameo? Yeah, the story goes that he was on, like, a talk show, like, sort of the 60s equivalent of Parky or something yeah. like that. And Roman Polanski saw him on it and was like, I want that guy in my film. I need that face in my film. No way. And the film is uh, it's called The Fearless Vampire Killers. It's yes, like a, with, with Sharon Tate. With Sharon Tate. Mm. And he plays like a sort of weird hunchback figure in that. I mean, to be honest, it's weird that he was like, I need that face, because he then covered it in like prosthetics <laughs> and false teeth. So it doesn't really make sense. But uh, yeah, he was in that. He was in a film called A Study in Terror. Barbara Windsor, 1965, about Jack the Ripper. Wow. Playing a butcher uh, called Chunky. He was in a few other films. But, yeah, he, he, like, he knew, like, Sharon Tate Palouse. He went to their wedding. Really? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Was he a nice granddad to you? Amazing, he... yeah. And, obviously, I never knew about him. He, he was sort of... Well, obviously, he was, like, 60, so he definitely stopped boxing, but he'd also stopped acting. But he was a great grandfather, yeah. As was he a violent man? Off, off, out of the ring? Not at all. He was quite coarse. Like, he spoke with this quite strange accent because he was brought up in London, but then he moved to Baltimore when he was about 16, spent about four years in America. Mm. So he had, like, a sort of transatlantic Cockney growl, which was very specific and quite difficult to understand. But, so he sounded quite aggressive, but he wasn't at all. He was a really sweet man. Did you do an impression of him? He was like, all right, boy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Love he always it. called me... Bosco, no one knows why. Just from the minute I was born, Bosco. Uh, I asked him why. Yeah. Because I, I thought he was spelling it B O S C O or yeah, C O E, because that's how he spelled Bosco. Yeah. And then one day he used to write a diary every day, and I looked at his diary, it's almost impossible to decipher his handwriting, and he was writing it B O S G O. That was a huge Bosco. twist. And I was like, why are you calling me Bosco? He's like, well, when you're a baby, when you're a baby, you're a boss. And we used to have to go where you sit. And that was it. God, that's moved my heart. <laughs> and that's not even in the show, guys. Yeah, this is some of the deleted this is This is sort of the director's cut, yeah. Um, something else that I, I would like to you talk about in public mm. with you, but but we can cut this if you want to cut it with it, but something I really love about you and find fascinating, you do a thing called Ask Blog, obviously, I'm not a fan, yeah. uh, but it's very successful and you write and are obsessed with Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. Again, it's something I'm not happy with. But what I do like about it is that you, as a child, used to go on your own. Yeah. Can you talk about that a bit? I find <laughs> that so fascinating, and it breaks. I think it's brilliant, and also sort of heartbreaking. And, but, yeah. So but I, but I, also, you just did it. It's great. So I co-hosted a podcast, yeah, about Arsenal, called the Arsecast for for Ars Blog. But I was I got into football when I was about seven. Mm. which maybe a bit older, maybe like eight or nine. I, I, I wasn't into football when I was little because I always had a memory that once in the playground when I was about four, um, I didn't play. I was just sort of like stood at the side, like picking leaves up and stuff like that. Mm. I was quite an odd, insular kid. 
and the ball came off the pitch to me and I picked it up and they were like, throw it in, throw it in. And I was so excited. I threw it from the side into the goal and oh, I started wow. celebrating. And they had to sort of point out to me, no, that's not within the rules. You can't do that. Um, uh. So I sort of felt a bit sad and sort of didn't think about football for four years. Mm. But then I got into it, but I was an Arsenal fan, but my dad was a Chelsea fan and my brother was a Chelsea fan. Then how the fuck are you an Arsenal fan? Because they took me to a shop to buy a Chelsea shirt. Yeah. And I was like, no. I was obsessed with red things and I was like, I want the red one. That was it. It was so arbitrary. It could have been... And they let, they let that happen, though. They weren't yeah. like... I mean, I suppose that's good parenting, give a kid what he wants, but... My dad would not have allowed that. And there's no circumstances where I'd gone, I want to be an Arsenal supporter. Like, he would have gone, well, do, you want, do you want your legs? Yeah. Or keep your legs? <laughs> but your family are Tottenham fans, aren't they? Yeah. So it's maybe a more pronounced rivalry than Arsenal and Chelsea. My dad, you know, if I dated a girl who supported Arsenal, he, he calls it marrying out. <laughs> Like, it's not acceptable. Really? I See, yeah. I don't feel that strongly about it at all. If I have kids, they can sort of do whatever they want. Are you shitting me? Yeah. You, you've got, you run a thing called Ask Blog, you have a thing called Askcast, and if your child dated a Tottenham fan, you'd be like, yeah, well, if your child wanted to be a Tottenham fan, you'd be okay. Mm, I suppose, now you put it like that. I feel like you don't really care about this thing that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I'm just not a fundamentalist. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, yeah. No, you've got I love perspective. The... You've got perspective. I've got perspective. I like Matt, to think. Absolutely. But yeah, I did used to take myself off to the ground when I was a little seven-year-old kid and walk around on my own and sing the songs on my own, stand up like and chant on my own when I was like... You get a seat. You get a ticket. Not seven. I think I was like ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd get a ticket. Where would you tell everyone you were going? Were they worried about you? Or was it... I don't know how... Is ten old enough to go out? I don't know. I forget ages. I think I used to be able to get on the train because yeah. I didn't live far away. I grew up in sort of North London-ish. Right. And, um, yeah, I just used to take myself off and I was completely confident. I, I, I still go on my own. This is actually quite sad, isn't it? I think it's brilliant. Genuinely, I find it, I, I find it like the image of you as a little boy just wandering around on your own in a, in a football ground. Like I'm still the same. Yeah. Like, you know, people go to football, they go with mates yeah. or they go with their dad or whatever. So when they score, do you like, hug the person next to you? I... I where my seat is, yeah. it's right on some steps. Right. And if it's like a, a big game of big importance, I will run down those steps and hug strangers. I think maybe yeah. that's why I'm really going, for, the, for the, the, the free cuddles, yeah. Free cuddles with strangers. Exactly. I was in America, right, and they at baseball game, went to a baseball game which was 90% adverts, 90% commercials. It was really weird. I found it quite disturbing, the whole yeah. thing. 90% commercials and songs. Yeah. There's a bit where you stand up and sing a song. There's a bit where, like, there's lots of game shows happen in the middle of it where they bring someone right. out of the crowd and fire a T-shirt gun at them. Yeah. You know, very little baseball happens during a baseball game. But also what happened, and particularly in the Me Too era, I thought, this is mad. They have a thing called Kiss Cam. Do you know about this? Where oh, so on the they big put a camera screen, on you, yeah. They suddenly put a camera... If, you, if the camera goes on you, you have to get off with the person next to you. And I thought, this is mad, like... I don't know how it would go down at the Emirates Stadium if they did that on me and the bloke next to me. He, I mean, yeah. he's, he's quite... He can be friendly. Occasionally, he sort of give me a little nod, but... Oh, so it's the same person next to you. You've got a season... Right. Mm, yeah. Do you chat? Must be nice to see each other. No, no chat. No chat. No chat from him. Well, I used to sit there, used to be a bit chat, but this guy would literally just sort of give you a nod. But I think I've had to build up to that. That's taken years. I, I love that. And your parents weren't worried about you? No one was worried? I think they were a bit worried. Yeah. Sort of generally. Yeah. Because I was quite an odd child. 
And I sort of wasn't into football in like the sense that I was playing it and good at it. Yeah, yeah. I sort of knew like all the statistics and all the numbers and the history. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. a nerd about it. So there wasn't part of you when you were on your own at these games, chanting, running around, that was looking for connection with the people. That you weren't looking for people to talk to you or be friends with you. It was like you were just there for the football. I think there is a sort of a connection, even if you're not having like direct conversations with people mm-hmm. there is still sense that that sense of communion you're still coming together you're still joining in songs you're still yeah. celebrating the same stuff you're still getting angry at the same things so i think with in some ways it's ideal for me because i get to have that sense of togetherness without having to actually commit commit or engage which <laughs> might seem odd but you know it's like going to it's a lot like going to church isn't it yeah no it is totally it's the same old thing what I find fascinating about going to the football is how quickly I can turn into a mob. Yeah, that's <laughs> like quite within, scary. Within seconds, I can go from, yeah, no, I'll just, you know, I'll give it a look, to, you fuck it, I will fuck it, within actual seconds. I'm what is that, though? What's sort of, what's tipping you over? Encouragement from others? <laughs> Maybe. It's the vibe of, it's, you get into it. But I also think it serves a purpose for, it's like, a, I, I, you look at these men, I think it really, I do really think it's like... Um, Releasing a pressure valve. Yeah, you look at these, these insane, everyone gets so angry and passionate and sing and shout and yeah. emote and then they go home and yeah. don't talk to anyone, yeah. you know, don't ever express it again. But for 90 minutes... It They're letting something out. out, aren't they? They're letting something go. And everyone and no one's facing each other. That's the other thing. It's a bit like you like have you ever had like I sometimes think about the times I've had deep conversations with people where we've been open, like in a relationship or something. It's often in the car. That's it. Because you're not looking at each other, you're facing People talk best when they're not looking at each other. Yeah. And no one looks at each other at football. They're all all eyes on the pitch. You might have conversations about the side yeah. of your mouth. But that's really true. I think particularly men mm. don't like to look each other in the eye when they're yeah. talking. Why these podcasts are? This why these podcasts are absolute nightmare. So people. intense. The women, ones with women on flyby, <laughs> get a bloke on. Very awkward, we're just suddenly. staring at each other. Yeah. Don't do it enough. Should we sit next to each other and face yeah. away? That might be better. Shall we? Might be more familiar for me. We could try that. It'd be better for the video. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. Uh, oh, beast. Yeah. Ah, oh, I forgot to tell you something. Oh, no. What's, what do you mean? What? Oh, I forgot to tell you this, and I probably should have told you at the beginning. What, what a donut. What is it? Tell I'm me. an absolute donut. No, 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 don't worry, it's fine. I don't know. You're t- no, you no, say listen. that, you don't know what it is. No, honestly, whatever it is, it's going to be fine. Really? Yeah. What would be the worst thing it could be? I don't know, like, you've not been recording or, like, you know... No, I've definitely been recording. Didn't filter my water. No, water's... Well, the water's just from the tap, but... Pretty hard water around here, probably. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not worried about it. Whatever it is, just yeah, come clean. Yeah, Brett. Oh, we're mates. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Look away from me and tell okay. me, and then it'll be fine. You've died. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you died. Oh. Yeah. I thought it would bother you. I yeah. thought it would. I'm gone now. Yeah. How did you die? How did I die? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I hope... I ate myself to death. Um, now, when you say that, do you mean you ate so much food that you died or you started eating your own self? Right. I mean I ate so much food that I died. Because I think I've got the capacity to do that. And to be honest, most days I try <laughs> not to. <laughs> most days are an attempt not to eat yourself to death. You're like gluttony in seven. 
Yes, I yeah. am the, the manifestation of that sin. You know when you're full? Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> I, do, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I was a really fat kid as well. You've got to remember this little kid going around oh. to the football on his own. Oh. My mum, I had glasses when I was seven. I love Little Beast. Do you know that my mum wouldn't let me have glasses? The teachers were like, he can't see the board. And she was like, I don't want a little specky kid, so he can't have glasses. And then one day we were driving down a little country lane. Yeah. And I pointed to a, a fence about five feet away. <laughs> and I went, oh, mum, look, look by the fence there. Look at that sheep. And she looked out the window. It was a bag of cement. She was like, OK, we'll go to the opticians then. OK, I'll have a chubby spooky yeah. kid. <laughs> Double whammy for her. She was quite trendy. I didn't fit in. God, I love... I love... That's... Listen, there's nothing wrong with having glasses or being a larger build. You as a <laughs> no, there kid, is nothing wrong. You as a kid, wandering man. I've still got glasses. Hybrid. I've still got a larger build. You haven't got a larger build. Come on. Not as large as I used to be. What, what do you do, work out now? My fighting weight. Yeah. Uh, what did I do? Well, I, like I say, I was trying not to eat as much food. I'm just very... I'm greedy. And I have an emotional relationship with food. Right. Definitely. Like, if That's I feel sad... Yeah, yeah. If I feel sad, I'm like, something, something sweet and delicious will sort this out. And does it? Problem is, it sort of does. That's the problem <laughs> with drugs, isn't it? It's like, you know... But they do work briefly. They do work briefly. Mm. The appeal's there. And so, yeah, especially like bread... Sort of glutinous mm. things. So it works, but then do you have a come down afterwards? I have a lot of guilt. I wish I hadn't eaten shame. that bread. Yeah, yeah, I do have a lot of that. Do you have this at all? Is this yeah, like... no, absolutely, I do. I really do. Yeah. Uh, uh, completely. Me, yeah, it's mostly guilt. Guilt, e- eating is guilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guilt attached. And, and I, so I would love to be just like, do you know what I mean? The shackles are off. Mm. We go for it. The consequences don't matter. Who is, who is this we? Oh, so everyone, the human race. It's just... me and my young fat self. We're finally united together. Right. And I'm just like, you know, I'll just eat Let's until... Let's go for it. It's not a problem anymore. Eat until you're dead. Yeah. Are you on your own? Well, you're with your friends. No, I don't want anyone seeing that. Right. So Camille's not around. She's gone away for a bit, working yeah, or something? she's probably away. She hates daddy. She doesn't want to be around me anyway no, at that no, moment. No, no, that's true. Um, you're leaving a note? So it's... I will leave a note, yeah, but okay. it'll be made up out of potato smiley faces. <laughs> uh, Smeared on the wall in spaghetti sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, do you worry about death as much as your wife? No. No? I don't really worry about it. I mean, I sort of feigned annoyance, but I don't really worry about it. You, I nearly died once. What happened? Uh, well, I say that. I'm slightly exaggerating. I was on Tottenham Court Road, I was about 22. And I was trying to cross the road to get to Sainsbury's because that's where the pastries are. And um, I sort of snuck out from behind a bus, like really mm. stupidly, just in the middle of the road. And I turned and a massive lorry was like coming straight towards me. And I put my hands up in the air in front of the lorry and it stopped with my hands on the front of this lorry. Like Superman. I mean, it, it, it had done the work itself, <laughs> believe you me. I hadn't done anything. But in that moment, I was like, I, I, I saw it coming towards me. I was like, oh. This is how I die. And it was incre- I was incredibly accepting of it. I was like, oh. M- my feeling was one of, like, annoyance of, like, oh, that's stupid of me. And I remember thinking, my mum's going to be annoyed that I died like this. Mm. Because, you know, your mum tells you, look before you cross the road. Yeah. But I wasn't scared. And actually, from that point, 
I don't, I'm not that scared of it, really. I think I was maybe before, but it was just a sort of moment of clarity of, like, I had that feeling. And I've had it subsequently in dreams. I have dreams where I die. And I, again, have that same sense of, like, acceptance in the moment. Um, don't Look Now, which is mm -hmm. the greatest film of all time, arguably. Well, we'll see. We've got, that, we've got that coming up. Uh, in the book of it, the short story, and this is a spoiler, I suppose, the way it is written in the book mm. is when a character dies and we this part of the story is told from that character's point of view, mm. their last line is, as they're dying, what a bloody stupid way to die. That's exactly it. That's mm. exactly how it felt in that moment. And obviously I realised that's just, you know, I didn't actually die. And who knows if, you know, had the lorry hit me, something different would have happened. But that's really how it felt. And it yeah. felt kind of... Just normal. Um, yeah, I get it. And you were thinking, oh, I've got an Edinburgh run coming up. Yeah, it was just inconvenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, ah, oh, that's stupid, isn't it? I, I didn't wanted, need to do that. I wanted Kate Copsick to see my show. Yeah. <laughs> she won't come, actually. I'm really working hard on that. Um, no, I, I yeah, and, and so I worry about getting old and getting right. ill. I don't want right. to be ill. No. But, you know, if I could just slip away, the actual fact of not being here doesn't bother me. I sometimes think there's a kind of egomania in that. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, I think, in worrying about that? Yeah, because I sort of think... <laughs> like, what, like, what, as in, like, why does the world need you? Like, how, yeah, like... Well, something Camille says to me at home, actually, she's like, I just can't imagine the world going on without me. Yeah. And she doesn't mean it like I that. I know what she means, yeah. But... I sort of am like, I think it'll be fine. It seemed to be getting on all right before I was here. Yeah. I imagine it'll just keep turning. But I feel the same way about having kids. That's what's get, the, the One of the things that I can't get my head around about having kids, yeah. but it might be to do with having lower self-esteem, is the idea of... Uh, th there's an element, I think, of narcissism about having a kid. Of course that, there is. That you go, we're so great, we should make another one. We must procreate. Whereas I think... Yeah, I love the idea of having kids, but I, sh I shouldn't put another me out there. That no. seems terrible. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure my genetic code should be being passed on. Yeah, I'm yeah, so short-sighted. Yeah. Why is that sticking around? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We, we have to end it at some point. My dad was short-sighted, I'm short-sighted. Let's yeah. cut it off. If we want male pattern baldness to be eradicated, stop me breeding. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. but I, And also I think like there's a bit of a... It's a bit of a cheat, isn't it, having kids? Because I think you're sort of like, well... I don't have kids, I should say, but I, I am conscious of that thing of, like, if I have them, it's sort of like, I will kind of live on through them. You know, there is that sort <laughs> yeah, of, like... Yeah. Whether that's genetically or in somebody's memory, uh, it, there is a sort of immortality in that. Yeah. I, I don't currently, like, look at myself and go, oh, I love you more than anything. You're not good a little, cloning you. Yeah. A little baby with massive eyebrows. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, God. <laughs> I do think if you have a baby, it will just have exactly your head. <laughs> yeah. Like very thick hair, Some lovely stubble. eyebrows, stubble, yeah. <laughs> black T-shirt. Yeah, comes out wearing a black T-shirt. <laughs> Hello, mate. Sorry about this. Yeah, uh, straight on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Do you think there's an afterlife? No. No? We might cut this bit out, but I used to. Go on, I mean, this sounds interesting and I hope we don't cut it out. So, when I was about 12... Yeah. What a weird kid I sound like, by the way. <laughs> this little kid, little blind, moly, chubby kid, 
going to football matches on his own, yeah. when he's like 12, yeah. has a vision of Jesus. Where? At the football? No, no, he wasn't at the football. <laughs> I was... Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was David Beckham, mate. You've been confused. <laughs> no, uh, I was at home. Yeah. On the stairs, and I fainted, and I woke up... Oh, no, I was in my bedroom, and I fainted. I woke up, and I was on the stairs. And in between, yeah, saw him. Saw what old happened? JC on the cross. What do you mean? Literally, I passed out. Yeah. I mean, I've, bet, I've told about four people this, and we're now doing it on a podcast, so we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. But I passed out. Yeah. And then I saw, like, imagine Jesus on the cross as you'd imagine it, like the pictures yeah. you see in books as a kid. Yeah. That's what I saw. But you saw it in your room? No, no, it was like I was in... You were in Jerusalem. It was just black and just like, it was like within a halo. Yeah. Just that image isolated. And was he alive? Al- yeah. Alive. And looking at you, talking to you? So this was the mad thing. I remember there being this communication. I remember, like, when I woke up from it, I went into my mum's bedroom. Mm. I was like, Mum, I've just seen Jesus on the cross. She's there, head in hands. Oh, my God, what is this child? Yeah. And I remember her saying... I knew we shouldn't have gotten glasses. Yeah, I know. (laughs) As the bag of cement, love, you're confused again. (laughs) Put your glasses on. Um, She said, did he say anything to you? And I remember, 12, I said, he spoke to me, but there were no words. And I do remember that feeling. Right. And I, freaked, I was scared. I was so scared. And I was like, well, that's it. Got to become religious. Got to become a vicar or something. And then what happened? Girls and that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if you're comfortable keeping this in, I would keep this in. Yeah. But it's absolutely fascinating, and what I don't understand is wh- why am I not? Really? Yeah, you well, I, I've sort of post-rationalised it to myself, which is that I was going through a bit of a tricky time. No one goes to the football with me, um, but there was more going on than that. You know, I was having what at school they would term problems at home, and uh, I genuinely think that my brain took an image from like popular culture, yeah, and created something for me that gave me a bit of hope mm. and a bit of stability at a time when I really needed it. And I did start going to church. I went to church for about three years. Did and you? I think it did make me feel better. And look, and, and, I'm, and I'm an atheist now. And I do feel sort of a bit of mad guilt about what, that. What, ch- what, ch- like, is, is there a moment you can pinpoint where you went, no? Well, he never came back, did he? <laughs> One visit and out. I'd say that's more than... It's more than most people get. Pretty good. Yeah, I suppose. I also thought thought about it and I was like, there was a kind of ego in it as well. I was like, why do I think Jesus Jesus has come and seen me? Do you know what I mean? Like that, there's... Because you were the the lamb, you were the meek. I was very meek. Yeah. That's for sure. That's That's his thing, isn't it? Go after the meek. I don't even know. I didn't even really do the reading. Right. I sort of... And why, yeah, I think I just gradually moved away from it. And I think I am fundamentally quite sort of a rational person, quite sort of evidence-based. Mm. And some would say, well, you've got the evidence, mate. Yeah, you but, saw Jesus. Yeah. But I was able to find an alternative explanation for it that fits better with my worldview. Which is what you banged your head and, <laughs> and had, a, had a dream. I, think, I don't know. I think it was a bit of a sort of slightly, a bit of an episode, isn't it? You know, if it's not Jesus, it's a bit mad. Yeah, but and then you pe- prefer that. 
Yeah, weirdly, I'm more comfortable with the idea that I'm a bit crackers. Right. Then Jesus came. And Jesus had a word with Because if Jesus came, what am I going to do? Like, you know me, I've been doing sod all for 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, since 20 years, I've absolutely spaffed that up the wall. You need to become a priest. I should have been out there helping people. Yeah. I've been doing sketch comedy breath, (laughs) which is honestly the the biggest waste of a calling that there's ever been. In a way, though. The full opposite of helping people is doing sketch. Sketch is like a religion, though, isn't it? In a way. Yeah. With more props. You've got, you've got to become a priest. I'm sort of annoyed at you. I don't think I'd be very good. I don't believe in it for one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jesus came down, but he wasn't very convincing. I mean, the other thing as well is like, yeah. if I saw him mm. and he looked like, like he was like old school Jesus, like, do you know what I mean? Like blonde, white. Right, right. Okay, you saw white Jesus. Yeah, I saw white Jesus. I saw Jesus from books. I wasn't like, it wasn't right, like, okay, okay. okay, this is a documentary about Jesus. Do you okay, know what I mean? that's fair. Okay, that's making me think maybe it wasn't the real Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it was like mole Jesus. Exactly. It, it, it was. It was sort of like, yeah, it was like sort of um, Jason Donovan from Joseph or something like that. Do you right. know what I mean? It was maybe like a very Western idea of maybe it was. Maybe Jason Donovan is God's son. I don't know. God, that's blowing my mind. But anyway, the long and the short of it is, yeah. I don't believe in life after death. Right. And if it's look, if it's real, come again. Because yeah. I'll be waiting for you. Sounds like I'm going to punch him. <laughs> Come at me. Is this going in, do you think? I think it's fascinating. Yeah. As long as people don't think I'm mental, then... I can't promise that. <laughs> uh, well, guess what, Hotshot? There is an afterlife. Oh, he was right all along. Of course he was. He was trying to tell you that. When he... It was weird. He had a load of DVDs in his hand when he came. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to say that. There's a heaven, and in this heaven, it's great. And they obsess with movies, and all they want to do is talk to you about your life, but through film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? Bugsy Malone. Really? Yeah. That's your first? Yeah. What a smasher. Yeah, my, so my grandparents, the granddad, the boxer, Terry... They had a video of Bugsy Malone. So you wanna be a boxer? So I love that song wow. so much. Go on. Um, and they used to put it on for me all the time when I went round there. Yeah. And I just loved it. And the thing about it, I don't know if other people have talked about it on the show, but I had no concept of them being kids. Mm. I wasn't like, oh, this is kids playing grown-ups. I was yeah. like, this is just a film yeah. with good actors in it. Like, I didn't draw a distinction. With Chachi in it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't draw any distinction between them as being children yeah, that's and being interesting. adults. I was like, here we go, gangster movie. But I loved it, yeah, I loved all the songs. Jodie Foster, she's there. Yeah. It's a bit creepy, her bit. When you watch her song, yeah, my name is Tallulah, yeah. she, 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 she does this sort of dance where she's, like, against a wall and she's, like, moving her arms about. But it's like a bit like watching a robot. Like, she's obviously been told, look, yeah. you need to move it exactly like this. And it's this weird sort of juvenile imitation of sexuality that's a bit disturbing, actually, when you watch it back. Uh, but at the time, I obviously had no, no recognition of that. Did it make you want to be a gangster or an actor or a singer or a well, boxer? Do you know what? Everyone's or in... someone who's swept up. I feel like everyone's been in Bugsy Malone. Like, I feel like whenever everyone's a kid, they're like, oh, we did a production of Bugsy Malone. Yeah, and I, I never got to be... A... Were you in it? Yeah, yeah. Who were you? I was Fat Sam's girlfriend. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the 
the perfect part for you. You've got an applause break, mate. Don't you worry. Really? For what? I'm sure I've told this on the podcast. Well, tell it again. I remember Cass. coming down, like, dressed up as, had high heels and a thing, and I, like, end, at the end of the scene, I stepped down these stairs and I said, blue <laughs> <laughs> fat summer kiss, and said, <laughs> bye, sweetie. And everyone clapped. <laughs> and is that when you were like, I'm going to be a performer? Yeah, it might have been. I definitely remember getting a big laugh and thinking, this is this is all right. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I'm talking, you know, I was like 20. No, I was like, <laughs> I think I was six, eight, six to eight, something like that. Mm, I, no, I think it might have sort of sparked that fire in me, but I don't, that didn't come till later. I didn't really want to get into acting and performing until I was about 15, 16. But this is when I was like really young, like five, six, seven. I just, I, I remember, do you know what as well? I remember at that age, I was like, I, f- I found it a bit creepy, like the sort of romance in it. I was like, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not into that bit. Mm. I like the guns, I like the singing, I like the dancing. Yeah. But like blousey and all that and the love affair, I was like, no, yeah. I'm not in that. Can't blousey, wind it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wind your neck in, love. <laughs> I, uh, I liked, I liked, uh, I loved the song about the boxing as well because my granddad yeah. was a boxer and. I just thought it was cool. And I, yeah. that kid does that bit where he goes really low, you know? Mm. Let me have him, Joe. That bit. I love that bit. <laughs> Great. And you want to sit with your granddad? I can't remember if he would. I think they just used to stick it on and sort of leave me to it. Now, you, were you on your own watching these? Or with your yeah, because I used to go there quite often on my own, stay with them, like at the weekends stuff for a little treat. Got- I had brothers and sisters. But What's they, the age gap with your brothers and sisters? Quite close. My brother's 15 months younger than me. My little sisters are, I think one's like f- uh, five years younger than me. The other one's nine years younger than me. Well, so you're the oldest. I'm the oldest of four. It, I'll tell you what, when we were kids, mm. one thing we did do is that, it's to do with films. When my little sister, Ella, she was of the generation who was really into Barney the Dinosaur. Right. Do you remember Barney? Yeah, yeah. Big purple guy. yeah. And she always used to want to watch Barney right. on video. And it was really annoying because we would want to watch other stuff. Yeah, good shit. Good shit. So, like, we wanted to watch the film. We'd rented the film of, I think we bought it, actually, of Mortal Kombat. Right. So a film adaptation of the computer game Mortal yeah. Kombat. And there's a character in that film called Reptile. And he's, like, half man, half reptile. Yeah. So we convinced Ella, who was about four at the time, we were like, that's Barney. <laughs> that's Barney. And he'd be, like, on the screen, like, beating people up. And she'd be like, is that Barney? We'd be like, yeah, that's, that's Barney. Barney's gone right. Yeah, yeah, Barney's gone right. This is dark Barney. And she used to say, she used to say, can we watch Barney Reptar? And we'd be like, yep. Yeah. And we'd put Mortal, Mortal Kombat on. That's great. Yeah. I love you. You love me. <laughs> Beat some people up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What is the film that scared you the most? I'm scared of all films. Oh, yeah. Scared of all horror films. Easily scared. Camille outed me, actually, on her, sh- on her podcast. Yeah. I'm really easily scared, and I don't know why that is. Because something I've heard you say is, like, the, the tricks of horror and the tricks of comedy are kind of in parallel. They're sort yeah. of similar things at play. And I love comedy, and I sort of don't find it particularly scary, but <laughs> horror terrifies me. I, I, if I'm flattering myself, I'm like, I've got a very powerful imagination yeah you know that's what i tell myself but maybe i'm just a bit of a worse mm. the there are patterns though of things that scare me more like i realized when i was thinking about this 
I'm really scared of witches. Oh, right. Yeah. Interesting. Like, going all the way back to Snow White, I think that's where it starts, her with the apple. Yeah. And then it sort of goes on, like... Do you remember Roald Dahl, The Witches? Yeah, remember that? Fucking that great film. Great film, but that's terrifying yeah. to me at that age. And sort of probably still would be. Yeah. Um, the Woman in Black. Scared of that. Scary. That's OK. It is scary. Uh, what do you think it means to be really scared of witches? Uh, it means you've got a deep-seated misogyny and distrust I mean, of this is what I'm worried about. <laughs> this is what I'm worried about. You're scared of women. Yeah. Because witches are just powerful women. You're scared of women taking over and having control over you. Right. <laughs> that, that does actually fit quite a lot of my life so far. No, I mean, that's the, but there's a paradox here. Yeah. Which we'll get onto okay. later when you ask me another question. There is a bit of a paradox right. at play. But I think, so generally the most scared I've ever been in a cinema was watching The Blair Witch. It was. Wow, okay. Because it was my worst nightmare of yeah. a, witch a witch made sort of manifest, made yeah. very real. And I, like, I am so scared that I watch films, horror films, like, through my fingers. Wow. It's really a profound fear that I feel. Witches. And witches is a real one. Like, after I saw The Woman in Black, because I'd seen it on stage, so I knew it was scary. And then I saw the film. I don't know why I did it to myself. Right. Even though I'm aware these things are not real. Have you seen the film The Witch that Mm. came out a few years ago? The Mm. Vavitch. No, and I think it's because I've sort of reached a stage now where I'm like, I can't afford to do this to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I won't sleep for a week. Like, I'm the sort of person who, like, if there's a darkened window, I'm just waiting for a face to appear in it. Right. It's... Face of a woman. (laughs) Anyone. It's my my wife appears there. (laughs) No, I I don't know what it is. It's... Yeah, it's, it's the archetype of, like, the hag really frightens me. Right, yeah. On, like, a primal level. That's really interesting. I know. I probably need to get a chat about it. Once I've dealt with the whole God visiting me thing... Yeah, deal with... Uh, my food issues. ...with more Jesus first. <laughs> and then we'll deal with your problem with the food. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Uh, what is the film that made you cry the most? So, it would be remiss to answer this without mentioning up, because for someone who doesn't believe in the afterlife, that sequence Mm. of their life together is so beautiful and moving. And, and like, because ultimately, because I don't believe in life after death, like, I sort of think the beauty of things exists in 
in that, the fact that nothing's permanent and it's yeah. all transitory, it's all gone. And him sort of reflecting back on that absolutely kills me every time I see it. But, again, I sort of noticed a weird pattern here, which is that I am a sucker for gentle giants. So, like, a big guy yeah. who's got heart and is a bit naive, maybe. So, for example, of Mice and Men. Yeah. Struggle with that in a big way. Okay. Um, the Blind Side, I find incredibly yeah. moving. And Green there's a Mile. sort of... This is the film that makes me cry oh. the most, the Green Mile. Here it really go. does. When I mean, there's so many things in it. But him at the end, when he says, don't put me in the dark. You know, oh. he's scared of the dark. He doesn't want the bag on his head. You know that... Um... A, sounds like your granddad was a gentle giant. Yeah. And B, The Green Mile, which you've picked as your film. Yeah. You know what his character is called? John Coffey, JC. He's based on Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. And Brett, not... what if this podcast just, like, becomes my entire life unravelling <laughs> and then being put back together by the end? Or not being put back together. It is, no. You just send me out into the world. It is. You've rejected Jesus and yet... I should have said, when Jesus appeared to me, he looked exactly like... John Coffey. Yeah. Stephen King said it. It's no coincidence that his initials are JC. You know, he basically is sacrificed at the end. He makes Mr Jingles live for 60 years. Makes Mr Jingles live. He makes Tom Hanks live... A long time. A long time. We don't know how long. But, yeah, is it Michael Clark Duncan? Is that his name? Yeah. He died sadly. And he sadly died, Yeah. yeah. But his performance in that... Like, he, like, he's in other things, doing bits and pieces, and he does, like, a lot of comedy stuff, and he's a yeah. bigger guy. But I do think he's really brilliant. Yeah. And uh, there's something about that thing of, like, yeah, maybe it is from my granddad, a man with real sort of physical power, but, like, a tenderness that yeah. I find really moving and emotive. Um, did, did your dad, uh, is your dad a, a big, big... Well, my dad comes from the construction industry. Mm-hmm. So the boxer is my mum's dad. Okay. My dad comes from a, an Irish family of builders, so again, very masculine. Yeah. I would say maybe not as soft. My dad's like the kind of guy who he'll try and give me a handshake, right. and I like insist on hugging and kissing him because I know it makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, I've got the kiss cam with me. <laughs> Here we go, Dad. So you're going to the football, which is a sort of... Stereotypically, very like manly place. Yeah. Stereotypically, obviously, they're mm. not quite true, but it, it certainly has a historical feeling of that. Yeah, and it's men being, yeah, but also it's where you get to hug a lot of men, mm. a lot of giant, a lot of tough men hugging. Mm. Maybe you just needed some more hugs. Well, maybe. But I think it's sort of interesting to sort of have a bit of both, isn't it? To sort of want to be yeah. in that masculine environment but to sort of find the tenderness within that. I think that's the contradiction, isn't it? Yeah. You know, of a man who he loves sport, but he can't play it because his glasses will come off. Yeah. And he's only really there to cuddle people. God, you're a beautiful man. <laughs> uh, Green Mile's great. The Green Mile. Do the, you like the Green Mile? I love the Green Mile. I love the book of the Green Mile. And this isn't me being like, all oh, the book's better. Because what's interesting about the film is the film is identical to the book. It's identical to the book in every single beat until the very last page, but the last page of the book, the last line, the last paragraph, is top three best, but my favourite piece of writing ever. And what makes me slightly sad about the film is the only bit they don't do is the very last page of the book. That's a real shame. Yeah. They, did they shoot it and, like... No, I guess it's that, that, that it's... Ugh, maybe they shot it 
it kind of, I suppose, there's a lot going on in that final yeah. bit. And it just and it's a shame because it's a fucking brilliant bit of writing. But the film is excellent, I think. On the subject of books and films, when yeah. I was a kid and Free Willy came out, yeah. I saw Free Willy and then I read... I got bought a book of Free Willy mm-hmm. and I read it and I was like, this is... If you liked the book, the, the, the film, film, the way they describe the whale, like, leaping over the thing. And I was, like, really... Good. I was about sort of eight, probably, and I was yeah. going around being like... Oh, you haven't seen the uh, you haven't read the book, have you not? And I, obviously, it was the it was a book of the it film. It was a novelisation. Yeah. yeah, it was a book based on the film, and I was like, no, I mean, they, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> sensational. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretentious little era. What's a film that most people don't like, but you don't care? You love it. You don't care what anyone says. They're all wrong. Got a couple. Okay, I really like Batman Forever. Okay. With yeah. uh, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. That is Batman Forever, isn't it? I get a bit confused. Because... Batman Forever is Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. It's the third one. Oh, hang on. Do I mean Batman... I mean the one with Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. Is that Batman Forever? Yeah, isn't it? I think so. Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever. Oh, and then and Batman, then Batman Robin. and Robin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Batman Forever is when Joel Schumacher gets involved. Yeah. Val Kilmer comes on I think board. it's just before it really goes off the boil yeah. with the Batman films. But it's well on the way. I, so I really like that. And I, I think genuinely, like, in terms of, like, you said to me, oh, what sort of made you want to become a former? I think it was when Jim Carrey sort of got into mainstream cinema and things like that came out, The Mask came out, Ace Ventura came out. Yeah. And they were, like, a big deal for me at that age. Yeah. But the film that I think was really, really panned that I enjoyed... Well, I should start by saying that I loved the film and it was well-received, District 9. I adored it. Good film. Neil Blomkamp, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And consequently, I sort of became a bit of a fan of his. Mm -hmm. And he's made two films subsequently that aren't as well-liked. Chappie. Chappie and Elysium. Elysium, which I quite liked. I quite liked Elysium... He doesn't like Elysium. He says, I didn't. But he does like Chappie. And Chappie was pretty much panned. And Mm. I also quite like Chappie. Why? I think the problem with Chappie is it's got a really confused tone. Yeah. Like, it's doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And there's a sort of comic absurdity in the central... In in Chappie. Who's played by... I forget the... What's the actor's name? uh, Carlto... The guy from District 9. um, Charlto. Charlto Copy. Yeah. Cop, cop. I've got the, the, the consonants yeah. in the wrong. Copland Schlarty. Yeah, Copland Schlarty. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's sort of a bit kind of clownish, and I've seen that character compared unfavourably with Jar Jar Binks, and yes. I do understand that. But I've seen also interviews with the director where he talks about how it got misinterpreted as a film about AI. But you're yawning already, so I'm obviously lost you at this point. But it got misinterpreted about a film as AI, but it's actually a film about being sentient, what it is to be alive. And I did find it really moving on those grounds. Why doesn't he like Elysium? I don't know. He just said, I feel like with Chappie, I made something good that I believe in that people didn't like. And that gave him an existential crisis because he was like, I've really done what I wanted to do, and yet it's been poorly received. He said Elysium, he was like... I, I understand some of the reaction because I don't fully believe in it. But I think Elysium is a decent film. Yeah. 
But yeah. I think I like Chappie much more than the critical reception. So that's why it would be my answer to this question. And I, I think he's a really interesting director. And I think that his sort of, I love that sort of, you know, conceptual sci-fi stuff. I really like, the thing that he does that I really like is like dirty sci-fi. Yeah. Is that the machines aren't clean. Yeah. And that everything's quite old and like it's not in good nick, the stuff. And also I admire that like he, he's able to put, I think he's able to put comedy into those things quite skillfully. Like the opening of District 9, mm. you know, it's that whole sequence of the, them going around and when he first gets sprayed with the alien yeah. goo or whatever. It's kind of like something from The Office almost, yeah, you know. It's all up to camera stuff. And I find, I think that to have that levity and that humour in like a science fiction setup isn't always easy and isn't always well done. Yeah. So, yeah, Great answer. Stuff. Never come up. There you go. What is a film that you used to love? You loved it so much and you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, I don't like this anymore. So the problem is a lot of films spring to mind and the reasons why I don't like them are sort of really grim. You know, they're sort of to do with, like, social things that have happened or scandal around celebrity that's really, like, changed how I feel about them. I'll tell you one. When I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. American Pie was, like, the holy holy grail of comedy. Like, it was a sensation. Yeah. And, you know, it's like a naughty film that if you sort of managed to get into the cinema, maybe we were a bit young, I can't remember, it was like so exciting yeah. that there was this film with these teenagers who talk about sex. And when you watch it back now, I, I actually haven't, but I was sort of reminiscing about it and going over the plot. I mean, essentially, they appear to be sort of filming a girl undressing and she's possibly underage and live streaming it to all their mm. mates. I mean, it is creepy as all yeah, hell. it's really bad. Um but it was all sort of in the spirit of sort of yeah. good fun then. You know, it's odd, isn't it? It's really odd. That is particularly odd. And also, I've talked about this film but, uh, before, but that stuff is really odd. And the whole, but there's, a, there's a sensitivity about American Pie. So there's a real mad mix. Yeah, that's on. it. There's it's like not real, just coarse. It's no, not... there's real, like vulnerability in it and there's sort of thought behind what what teenagers are actually like and there's a lot of really lovely stuff in there and there's jokes about fucking a pie and then there's a really disturbing revenge porn section i mean maybe that's i mean maybe i i'm sort of being critical of it there but you know maybe in some ways that is sort of reflective i mean when you are a teenager yeah yeah. you don't you don't understand that that's really bad well you do you do but like your boundaries aren't fully formed like i think it's interesting thing in society isn't it we like now, if you tweeted something 10 years ago and you were 16, yeah. you know, we sort of expect you to be fully formed and like a functioning person who understands rules. I mean, I might be going too far here because I think everyone should understand that what they do in American Pie is completely yeah. wrong. But I suppose, I'm just picking up on what you said, of like there is a kind of vulnerability in those yeah. characters and a fallibility. I'm just not sure that we all should have been laughing at it quite as much as we were. No, no. But it also is a thing of, all this stuff is a thing of changing times and group understanding us as a whole you know i don't think at the time it was called out because i don't think we understood it no as a negative thing that we do now and i don't and that's a sort of failing on all our parts but that's also about growing empathy and understanding isn't it i don't know but i think in its defense like you're right i think there were some sort of gross out films in that era that didn't have that degree of like heart to them yeah like i I, i'm i'm loosely remembering something like road trip is sort of like pretty relentlessly coarse you know yeah kind of no let up there 
Um, who's the guy from Road Trip who was like the, he was like Tom Green yeah. yeah so he was like the king of like gross out comedy at yeah. that time but American Pie it had that family dynamic you know, it's got the relationship yeah. with his dad it's a little bit m- more coming towards centre but there is stuff in it that yes. wouldn't be you know wouldn't be there now. unacceptable completely unacceptable uh, glad well, to see the back of it <laughs> good when he fucks that dessert though yeah no that dessert deserved it yeah <laughs> one day we'll be doing a thing going now we know that desserts have feelings. Well, yeah, we will. It. Can you we'll believe be going, that? that disgusting film that we used to enjoy is fucking a poor dessert. One, one day that's going to be someone's troubling Yeah, troubling boner. when he fucks when the pie. fucks the pie, yeah. <laughs> I can't go in Greg's anymore. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily because the film itself is any good, but because the story you associate with seeing it, whether it was a first day at work, whether it was a first date... Right. The day someone died. What's the film? So it's actually two instances, but films that belong to sort of the same canon. So it's two separate Star Wars films. So episode one, yeah. when that came out, and I was really young and yeah. so excited. And so excited that I sort of... I think even at that age, I could tell it wasn't good. Right. But I wasn't really able to admit it because yeah. I had sort of... You know, I grew up with Star Wars sort of... not Those films didn't come out in my lifetime, but I was so into it, you know, yeah. the whole thing. And I was so... Like, in the year before that film, me and my mate David, we were obsessed. Like, we bought every book. Like, we tried to get every toy. We were, like, mm. so into the world. And then it turned up and we were like, oh, it's actually quite, quite boring, isn't it? <laughs> quite long parts of it. A lot of sort of Liam Neeson being very serious. Yeah. Talk of taxation. A lot of problems with tax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so mad. I was going to get more of that later enough. It's, yeah, what? I mean, it is mad. So mad that he thought... This is no, what we I'm haven't doing. addressed. Yeah. The tax issues. I know. In the force. Do you know what a, a young generation of kids yeah. want here? They want to know about the tax. They want tax advice. What's going on with the tax? We need a loophole for Queen Amidala to yeah. get out of her... Yeah, paying yeah. her tax. I, I mean, it was very... It's not a good fit. I mean, I, I, you know, I know there's been a sort of subsequent research of like, and you don't like Star Wars anyway, do you? You're not really into no, it. No, no, I do like Star Wars. Oh, do you? It's, uh, lo- it's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into Are you quite like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. Do you like yeah. the prequels though? No. But yeah. I, I like, I, I, I am invested in it. I care about, I'm excited about the new Star I'm into Star Wars. Right. But I'm not so blindly into it that I think the prequels are good. Yeah. I mean, there has been a sort of resurgence recently, people sort of trying to redeem the prequels. But I think that is a losing battle. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that can be done. It's amazing, though, because there are some really good actors in it. You know, you've got, yeah, like, yeah. Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman. For me, it's the, it's the madness of the CGI, the, the total yeah. busyness of the screen where you've no idea what... There's a person standing in a computer game, and the computer game is very busy. Yeah. So busy. And you're like, I don't care. What am I looking at? It's just a lot of stuff, a lot of graphics it moving It's like standing behind someone in an arcade, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Watching them shoot things up. It's mad. But the, the, the second film would be Force Awakens, when that came out. Yes. I went to one of the first screenings in Leicester Square, yeah. and I had a spare ticket, and I took my mum, ah. and... There were stormtroopers in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. And it was Christmas. It was like December 14th, I yeah. think, was on the day I That's went. Right. And I wept. Uh, I wept through it. And, like, all the disappointment that I felt about yeah. episode one was kind of 
balanced out because I thought JJ Abrams, and that's why I'm really excited actually about that. You know, I, I enjoyed the most recent one, but I, I really liked JJ Abrams, and I thought he did a beautiful job of sort of balancing the nostalgia, but also with new elements within the story. Yeah, and there were about five points in that film where I just cried, uh. like partly music, partly like John Williams' music, partly just oh look, there's Harrison Ford. Yeah. There's Harrison Ford being Han Solo. Like, yeah. when he walked in. Doing it. Doing it properly as well. I know. Doing it with commitment. Yeah, which is so rarely It's does. all true. That thing of... That's a brilliant uh, line. I remember it in the trailer as well. He's just like, you know, the, the dark, the light. It's all, yeah. it's, it's all true. And, like, as a kid who was into that, someone essentially firing that back in you saying, yeah, yeah this is real, because it's real for you. Great. Brilliant. And also, the moment at the end of Force Awakens when... They've sort of been slightly playing up the idea that John Boyega's maybe going to be the guy who takes the fight yeah. to Kylo Ren, and then it flips and it's her, yeah. you know, the lightsaber goes to her hand, and it's like a girl, and she's the Jedi. I was just like, get in. <laughs> I, honestly, I was yeah. in, in bits. That's great. It's great. What was your mum like? She enjoyed it as well, actually. She, she, I remember she cried. She yeah. cried a few times. And she, I think... She was very excited. She had a photo taken with a stormtrooper, like I said. Uh, that did some numbers on Instagram. She was happy with that. She's, big, <laughs> she's all about social media, my mum. Where can she tag herself? <laughs> oh, that's nice. I like that. Beast, what's the film you most relate to? Right. The number 23, starring Jim Carrey. Oh. Have you ever seen that film? That's where it's the end of the world, is it? Right. So, I'll tell the story. So when I was about 17, after Jesus had come and gone, yeah. I started noticing the number 23 in my life. So I would just notice it around. So, you know, I'd, be, I'd get hotel room, it would be number 23. You're my cab would turn up, it's got 23 in the number plate. Um, I'm watching the telly, number 23 is sort of, you know, yeah. is the flat they're in or whatever. And I genuinely, I remember saying to my mum and dad, who at this point must have been, <laughs> do you know what I mean? At the end of their yeah. tether, saying, like, uh, I'm seeing number 23 everywhere. Not long after that, like, a few years later, I mean, it goes on a while. People yeah. start sort of picking up on it. People, If they buy me a football shirt, they're sticking the number 23 on the back. You know, people know I'm into the number 23. I read, I see an advert for this film, the number 23, about a bloke who, I think he buys a book, an old book called the number 23, yeah. and it tells a story about a man being followed by that number. And he realises that story in the book is actually the story of his own life. Yeah. So imagine the layers. I'm, I'm seeing a film come out about... Why is it you are... How can you be an atheist? <laughs> Why are you ignoring all of the signs? <laughs> Fucking Jesus turns up. Maybe this is the devil now trying to, trying to tempt me. He's like, Jesus had a go, didn't get him. The devil's going to come with number 23. What, what happens in number 23? At the end. He goes crazy. I think he ends up in prison because he kills somebody. It's, anyway, Jim Carrey produced it. Yeah. And I constantly I can't really found out he did it because he has this as well. He also... And you loved him. You just said I you loved, loved Jim him. Carrey. Yeah. He was my hero. He had this freaking out thing about the 23. Yeah. Do you, have you heard of this before? This thing I have heard of the 23, yeah. I looked up some film stuff about it. Oh, tell me. Well, in A Beautiful Mind... Yeah. The character in that, John Forbes now, she Russell Crowe plays, he's obsessed with number 23. He goes a bit crazy. In the disaster movie Airport, the bomber has seat 23. 
The number of crosses on cavalry at the end of the Monty Python film, Life of Brian, 23. In Die Hard with a Vengeance, a train derails in a subway station, station 23. The lead characters in The Big Lebowski always use lane 23 at the bowling alley. There you go. <laughs> I, don't, I think I've proved my point. Yeah. What I don't that? believe in Jesus, but I believe in that. You believe in the number 23? Yeah. Now, honestly, I, so that was when this film came out. I mean, I'll be honest, the 23 thing is sort of worn off. Because obviously it's yeah. sort of confirmation bias, you know? Yeah. When you're looking for something, you see it. When you're looking for God, he appears to you. But yeah. at the time... I mean, and you know how old I was when, I, when it came out? 23. No, about 18. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So at the end, he kills someone and the number's driven I him mad. I think he's killed... Yeah, the number's drive him mad, yeah. And I think he sort of comes clean and gets put in prison. I think. In the... In I mean, it's a horror right? film, so I struggle with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course it is. But also, they, they released it on the 23rd. Like, they went for hard yeah, for it with yeah. the promo. Uh, and it was freaking me out. I was like, guys, can you stop doing this? I'm seeing it enough as it is. Wow. So that's quite a specific answer for that one. Love that. What's the film that you found the sexiest beast? Mm. Well, I've got, to, I've got to say, haven't I? Because I had a popular yeah. podcast. You made a video for Twitter where you were angry with people who Come on, and they're didn't like, answer oh, this question properly. This, oh, this is what, I, this is what yeah. I thought was sexy when I was a baby. The, the visual palette yeah. of the... I, I've chosen to interpret it as what was the nicest film or the nice film that I liked. So I've got to, I've got to You've got to step up and tell us firstly your sexiest film and then you know what was coming next. So sexiest film is hard because like it is again like scariest, very influenced by age. You know, can be mate, can be. I mean, yeah, all the usual stuff. I think I mean, sort of, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a really sexy film. Yeah, agreed. Black Swan is a really sexy film. Agreed. Thomas Crown Affair, very Lovely. sexy film. Original and remake. Uh, for me, the remake takes it up a notch. Mm. Great music. Yeah. Sexy music in that film. Great film, that. M- my logic with this is Spanish people are very sexy. Yes. Do you agree? Can confirm. Right. Well done, you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, for me, it's a toss-up between Iti Mama Tambien and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Oof. I'm going to give you Vicky Cristina Barcelona purely as a numbers thing. What do you mean? Well, there's more. You've got Bardem, Johansson, yeah. Cruz, Rebecca Hall. Yeah. Something for everyone. Something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, take, it, your, take your choice. Each member, tell me then, you've also got, you've got um, something for everyone, I suppose. But I'm going, I'm going, I'm going Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Okay. Thank you. What is, uh, there's a subcategory. Mm. This should come as a shock to you. Travelling boners, worrying why done. Right, here we go. What's the film that aroused you and you thought, oh dear, I'm not sure it was meant to? Well, you know I alluded earlier to potentially something sort of odd, a, a paradox. The paradox, yeah. So I'm scared of witches. But I guess fear it's and an attraction are quite linked, aren't they? Yeah. And a film where I was absolutely bowled over by someone is Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus <laughs> is like... A dream to me. And, and she never has been in any other context. Yeah. But in Hocus Pocus, I was all over that. She plays quite a sort of vivacious character in it. Mm. Quite sexually aggressive. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair description. I don't remember the film that well. But I just remember finding it weird that I'm so scared of witches. I mean, you, you're, everyone listening is thinking, that's not weird, mate. This makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
So she, she that, that film is on there. I find her in Hocus Pocus really sexy. So I actually find Hocus Pocus quite a sexy film. Is that a weird thing to say? No, well, it's... Uh, because there's a sort of, like, burgeoning love affair, and isn't there talk about she's got to be... They're, like, they're trying to lose their virginity or something yeah. like that. So I think watching that as a teenager, I was like, here we go. And then, you know... Terrify the witches unless they're played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, that's sort of the condition. Although, another sort of horror comedy yeah. where I found someone completely irresistible yeah. is Joan Cusack in Adam's Family of Values. Do you remember that film? I, I think that film is a fucking masterpiece. It's a great... I think Adam's Family is great. Adam's Family of Values, we forget when people say what sequel's better. I think that might be when. I think people forget it in what's funniest film. It's really funny, that it's film. It's so funny. And the whole thing is funny of, like, them... It's great jokes, Adam's Family. Great Adam's jokes. fucking great. And the, the attitude of the Why family. Why are we like, always talking about the Adam's Family? It's brilliant. And the way they sort of cheer her on, like she's like a psychopathic killer who's come yeah. in and they sort of want her to, to succeed. It's sort of so brilliant. Yeah. Um, anyway, in that film as well, like, I found that sort of very psychopathic character. Yeah, she's got, um, if I recall correctly, though... She also has, if I may say, I don't know if I'm... She also has quite a cleavage in it, doesn't she? I, to be honest, but I can't remember. I think I she has remember. quite a... I'll have to go back and watch it. Anyway, it's fine out. I think it's not just, you know, what I'm saying is... Right, but that, then I have delivered on what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, you asked me what's sexy. I'm no, yeah, you have, and you've actually... I'm not beating around the bush. No, you've I've been got to explain it. all this to my wife later. Yeah, yeah. You like a psychopath with cleavage and you're scared of witches unless they look like someone from Sex and the City. Unless they want to sleep with me, Brett. <laughs> then bring them on. Come one, come all. What's the, objectively, the greatest film of all time? I don't know. I thought it was Jaws. Really good answer. I thought it was Jaws for a while. Yeah. Because it really, it has everything. Yeah. And it has so... It planted itself in popular culture. I mean, it's essentially created a phobia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's quite a phenomenal yeah. achievement. And it's got effects. It's got special effects. It's got scares. Mm. It's got heart. It's got humanity. Yeah. Uh, it's a feat of filmmaking. Yeah. Maybe it is Jaws, you know. I'll take Jaws. I'll take it. Have you had Jaws? Uh, it's come up, but I don't know if in this category. I'll tell you why I was torn, because I, I find that I love films that have a really broad scope. So I, so I love films which are like... And this is quite a strange thing, but I love films that sort of tell you a story over, like, 30, 40, 50 years, because then you get into territory that, like, only cinema really can deliver convincingly. So I love City of God. I wow, love great. Moonlight. Like, I love those films yeah. because they're sort of episodic, but they give you an expanse of time and narrative that you can only really convincingly commit on camera. Nothing else can, can allow you to do that trick so brilliantly. Have you seen Cold War? No. You bloody need to. OK. 84 minutes long, 60 years take place in it. That's what I want. You would love I'm it. What I'm looking brilliant. for, Brett, is years per minute. Yeah. That's how I rate a you film. You would love Cold War. It's so good. Is it? Yeah. You'd love Everyone's it. Everyone's going to check it out. Home time home. jumping, time jumping. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Moving. Yeah. Sexy. That'd be on a sexy list. Really? You think it's going to be boring because it's black and white and it's called Cold War. I mean, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. From the outside, I, I was never like, I must see that. Oh, I was dreading it. I, it was like, oh, here we go. Got to do this, you know, so I look smart. 
came out. One of my films of the year, absolutely loved it. Got a poster up. I, I, yeah, so those, those sorts of films are in contention. Boyhood, I like. But it does a similar trick. But I like... I'm going to stick with Jaws. I'm going to I stick think with Jaws. You've, you've, argued it, you've argued it perfectly. Great. I also think... Uh, I think I was talking about this with Poltergeist and E.T., is that Spielberg around that time, there's something about like the scenes with his family that feel improvised, that feel like yeah. 70s movies, like really sort of gritty and mm. warm and real and funny. And There's a bit where he's with his kids. Yeah, and the kids copying him. Oh, Beautiful. God. It's so touching. Yeah. And actually, like, without sounding too wanky, like, I'm a fan of acting and there's some fucking good acting in that yeah. film. From the leads. Like, they are firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's a really... And it's tight. Yeah. It's a tight film. Not a second is wasted. It's edge of seat stuff. I last watched it in India. I was on honeymoon in India and flicking through the channels and I found Jaws and I was so happy. Ah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, what's the film you can or have watched the most over and over again? I mean, Jaws would be in there, you know. I've seen it quite a lot of times. But I actually think the answer is forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's funny. I've seen that an awful lot. I think it's one of those ITV2 films. Yeah. Where like they've got the rights to it and they're like, look, we're just <laughs> going to pump that out as much as we can. It's good. But it's a good film. It's a good film. It's great. It's a really good film. Funny and wise and does good. You know what I'm a real fan of? I've never talked about this. I'm a real fan of sex scenes that are off, that are about something and often... Bad, the sex is bad. Mm. Uh, for example, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, when he goes to finally have sex with her. And it doesn't and work doesn't out. work. Yeah. Because of the thing. Yeah, that, that's very real, that film. Like, that bit yeah. where he's sort of caught naked. Do yeah. you know what I mean? In, in that moment of heartbreak. Yeah. It's really well done. And it is quite delicate in places, that film. Like, it, it's quite sweet. Yeah. And, but also very, very funny. And it also has these sort of weird flights of fancy, like Paul Rudd's character who yeah. kind of exists in another world, but it sort of works. And uh, the, all the stuff with the Dracula musical, which well, is... Well, I think that was him, his, his audition, audition. for Muppets. Muppets yeah. yeah. And he, he's, he Muppets, nails it. Yeah. Give him the Muppets. Thing, I mean, yeah. I want to see do that Dracula film, to be honest. That's yeah. what I want to see. That Dracula made a, a film musical. Yeah, I, I just really like it. And I, I've, I've watched it quite a few times, never got bored of it. Yeah. What's the uh, film that made you laugh the most? Okay, I think it's I think it's Borat, but does everyone say that? Yeah, but it's okay. I've got a sort of theory on it. Go on. Because when I came to answer this question, so I, I love comedy, yeah. but I found it hard. And a lot of the films that I came up with were things that had their origins in television. So I was like, Borat, very funny. South Park, very funny. Alpha Papa, very funny. Inbetweeners movie, Mm. very funny. And I wonder, is it just because you're going into those movies? You know, they say with sitcoms, it takes time. You've got to establish a relationship and rapport with the characters. With those movies, you start with that in place. Yeah. So it's sort of like there are jokes that you can do and things that you can find in it that you probably couldn't if it was just a blank slate. And I, I wonder if that plays into why I personally like those films. I know that the correct answer is um, Spinal, Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah. 
but, but they're not going to TV show about it beforehand. If, so if there's no TV show, it. but I tell you what, though, even that, I feel like as those films go on, there is a slight sense of that developing. You get to know their actors and their and their sort of improvisational personas, yeah. and sometimes what they bring to it. So that familiarity does sort of help a mighty wind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I think that is true. Do you want me to come up with something that's not Borat? No, you can have Borat. I mean... Has it happened a lot? It does happen a lot, but that sort of says something about Borat, doesn't it? Yeah. Or that we live in an echo chamber. <laughs> well, I, I wonder... I do wonder about Borat. You know that film, like, what film do you used to love? Yeah. I do wonder if elements of Borat fall under that now. Possibly. But I think that there's a real thing. I think the reason I, I... I don't know if I changed the question, but the question is specifically, what's the film that made you laugh the most? It might not be your favourite, the best comedy film. Yeah. Because there's that thing, isn't there? Laughing's like, a reflex. Yeah. I think, you know, Life of Brian is an absolute fucking masterpiece. I think mm. it's genius. But am I laughing out loud mm. a lot? Probably not. Yeah. Whereas Borat... Uh, Two naked men wrestling each other. <laughs> yes, please. It's a reflex. You're, yeah, you're laughing. Sort of, yeah, almost whether you approve of it artistically, there is a yeah. compulsion. It's like me and Catherine Tate, you know, we laugh when we're writing because we, I mean, the most we've laughed was putting a fart noise into <laughs> an episode of Nan, an 11 second fart on, feet, on mm. Newsnight. Have you seen Beasts? Because it sounds like we're right on the street, to be honest. <laughs> And you sort of go, we did all this work for all this stuff, but the thing we are on the floor crying with laughter is the fart noise. Because it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with it. That's it. Fart's always going to make someone laugh. You can't argue with it. Unless it's on the tube, in which case it's no. just awful. Uh, what is the worst film you've ever seen? We don't like to be negative. Should we do this quickly? OK. I think it's Norbit. <laughs> 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 Poor old Norbit. I think it's Norbit. And I think it's sort of particularly Tell bad. us about Norbit. Cause Norbit. So Norbit was famous because it came right after Eddie Murphy had been nominated for an Oscar exactly. for Dreamgirls. And some people felt that it may have contributed to him not winning that Oscar. Um, and what is the premise of Norbit? Because I've not seen it. Well, the tagline was, have you ever made a really big mistake? Right. Which uh, some would say <laughs> Eddie did in the making of this film. He plays um, a... Uh, skinny, specky boy, so yeah. like me in some ways, unlike me in others. Yeah. Um, who goes out with a, finds himself in a relationship with a very uh, difficult woman uh, and large woman, also played by Eddie Murphy, called Rasputia. <laughs> it's not a very flattering portrayal of Rasputia. Um, he also plays, I should point out, his adopted father, Hang, t- <laughs> Hang Ten Wong. <laughs> This sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, hang on, is this the best film I've ever made? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just incredibly... It's quite a cruel film, actually. Right. There are some of those sort of involuntary shock laughs in it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's without laughs. Again, the question isn't, what's the film with the least laughs? Yeah, it's yeah. what's the worst film? Yeah. And I think it is. And I also think that element of its story that it came out when Eddie Murphy was lined up to pretend he mm. won the Golden Globes for Dreamgirls, whatever, seemed set to get the Oscar, didn't. I think, you know, if that if there is any truth in that, I think that adds to its legend yeah. as an awful film. Not that uh, Alan Arkin didn't deserve it for Little Miss Sunshine. No. That's a great film. Great film. Yeah. Uh, Beast, mm. you've been excellent. 
genuinely excellent. I mean, I've been looking forward to this one, but whew, absolutely smashed I've, it. I've enjoyed it. The thing is, when you... Um, I ate myself to death. Yeah, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> when you, um, you said to your wife, Camille, you going out? And yeah. she said, yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a gig with the birthday girls. And you went, are you going to be long? Just so I know what sort of time yeah. she said. Uh, I'll probably be back in about four hours. And you were like, here we four, go. Here we go. Straight on the delivery. You locked the door. Yeah. Firstly, you got your delivery. No, they had to put it all through the letterbox. Yeah. <laughs> you took it. It was mainly pizzas. It was fine. So you, you just ate pieces, ate pieces, and then your and you invited your younger self, uh, who believed in Jesus, and you and your younger self yeah. ate pizzas, and talked about whether, and your younger self kept saying to you, "Why did you stop believing in Jesus?" And you said, "Because I only believe in facts." Mm-hmm. And your younger self said, "You're talking to twelve-year-old you. Yeah, is this not slightly?" Uh, difficult to balance sure, with your, you from your facts, your evidence-based evidence things, and you say, "Well, maybe you are here. I, do, I don't have someone else here to tell me if they can also see you." And your little self went, "Touche!" <laughs> and then you ate these pizzas, ate these pizzas, and then your little self said, "Do you just want a hug? Is that what this is all about?" Yeah. And you said, "Yeah, okay, if you want to hug me." And then he hugged you, squeezed you, did a burp because he does so much pizza, <laughs> and you ate and ate and ate the pizzas. And then your stomach burst. Exploded. Yeah. Sure. And you died. And Correct. your your 12-year-old self like, held you as mm. you died. But then he realised, oh, I'm dying too. He starts sort of fading away. Yeah. Fading like away. in films. Yeah. So then Camille came back from birthday girls. Oh, she didn't deserve that. Yeah. And she's not happy about She doesn't like it. She's be furious she's about this. really angry. She wants me to be 100. Yeah. And she's mostly angry that you, you didn't save any pizza for her. Yeah, sure. So, awful There's that you did There's bits of it scattered around the room. She yeah. can recover. Awful that you did this. Anyway, there you go. You're dead. And you're fucking massive. Yeah. Your stomach exploded. You were greedy guts. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty, greedy guts. I've been a greedy Greedy guts. guts. Yeah. And so, we took your bloated... Guts. Guts. Your, your, your huge body. It took, like, ten of us. We put you in the coffin. The coffin we got was for, like, the size of you when you were 12, which we thought was... That's substantial. Yeah, substantial, but it wasn't enough. Not big enough. A lot happened in that four hours. Just stuff you in, stuff you had to cut bits of you off and then use that to, like, push in the rest of you and, like, yeah, right. you use it, like, as an oar. We used what? your leg. Your, Do it gently. Your gently. fat leg. And we're pushing yeah, well, don't have a go. And then, anyway, we managed to finally get you all in this coffin, but it's absolutely jammed. Oh, no. And there's now only room for one DVD that we're going to slide down the side. Joking. You can take that with you to the other side, and on the other side, it's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone in heaven? Easy. King of Comedy. King of Comedy. They've not seen it up there. I reckon they've not seen it. No one else has brought it. What are they doing? You know what they're doing? They're having a word with Jesus, and they're going, leave it, mate, leave <laughs> it, because he's really mad at you. Yeah. I turn up, and he's like, oh, for Christ's sake, he probably says, to be yeah. fair. That'd be weird if he's a yeah. bit reflexive. He's he like, goes, oh. do you believe yet? Yeah. And what are like, you doing here? I've ghosted Jesus, basically. <laughs> I've been ghosting Jesus for 15 years. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. Fine, let him in. What films he brought? I say, yeah. King of Comedy. He goes, all right, I'll give him a second yeah. chance. He was always a smart kid. He's he a good says. guy. Yeah. Well, Beast McNicholas. Yeah. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, hopefully it will be before Edinburgh, where you'll be doing The Boxer. 
at the Pleasance Courtyard, 4.15? 4.15, the Courtyard. I recommend it. And that's sight unseen. <laughs> <laughs> no, say you've heard buzz. The buzz is... The buzz. The buzz is huge. Fucking hell. And the poster is out of this world. The poster's lovely. For the poster alone, I'd give it five stars. I'm a, Mainly that's what I'm hoping will happen. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we should be looking out for? Jesus. Yeah. See if he pops up. <laughs> Do be aware. Keep and if he your does, eyes out. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. And listen for... Listen. For Jesus. Don't just, you know, write him off like yeah. I have. Uh, Could be a chance of redemption. Yeah. Are we finished? There's still time. Thank you so much, Beast. Uh, you've been excellent. Thanks. Should we have a cuddle? Yeah, let's cuddle now. <laughs> so that was episode 54. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 25 minutes of chat with James. And if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe, give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason that apparently it helps our numbers, means more people get to hear it, I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, etc, 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 until we all die. Thank you so much to James for doing it. Thanks for being good. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week where I have quite a phenomenally special guest. Next week's Special guest will be the star of Mad Men and X-Men. It is the one and only January Jones. That is right. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.